Hello there and welcome to the Get French Football News preview show. I'm Nathan Staples and joining me this evening are Adam White and Tom Scholes. French sides were in European action this week as both Nice and Marseille look to qualify for the Champions League and the Europa League respectively. And we will have a look at how both got on, then a glimpse into the league weekend as well after some news. Nice suffered a 2-0 defeat against Napoli on Tuesday night thanks to goals from Dries Mertens and a Jorginho penalty. Their night of misery did not end there though as both Vincent Cosiello and Alassane Player both saw red in the final few minutes of that fixture. And Marseille came from behind this evening in Slovenia to earn a one-all draw thanks to Morgan Sanson's second half strike against Dom Zale. So let's start off with Nice, Adam, and it's a poor result and a performance, really, in the end. Uh, could it have been much worse from the uh, from the Cote d'Azur side? Uh, that's a it's an interesting an interesting point. I think I think it could have been worse. Um, obviously, with two sendings off um, and and a two goal defeat, they're they're looking like, especially with two relatively important players, I mean, with, with Balotelli out and Galassan players is a relatively important player for them. Vincent Cosiello is very good uh, and, and has been very good for a long time. And obviously he's, he's key in that midfield battle, especially when they, when, you know, if they, if they uh, in the return legs. So they're two big players to miss for that game, but they're not 100% out of it. So to say that it, it couldn't have gone too much worse might might be a little bit of a misnomer at this point. But I think either way, you, you'd feel like if Nice were to qualify from this position, it would be not on a miracle, but it wouldn't be far off. So I think you have to be a little bit disappointed on their part, but considering the very difficult draw that they got, I mean, Napoli are a very, very good team uh, and to, to lose 2-0 at the San Paolo isn't by no means a disgrace. So there's, 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 there's not positives, but there, there are sort of qualifiers to that statement. On the other hand, given how Nice played last season and the fact that they did so brilliantly well against Ajax and qualified through in, in that in that very close two-legged tie, they would have been looking at making the Champions League um, group stages. That's that would have been their aim, and to to suffer uh, not a, not a drastically bad defeat, but um, one that puts them close to being out of the competition will will be a huge blow to them and. Last season, they didn't really take the Europa League too seriously, and to drop into that competition again would be a, a little bit of an anticlimax for them. So, it's it's definitely a disappointment, um, but there's still a, a glimmer of hope. I can see I can see a two 0 win at home for Nice. It's possible, but very unlikely. So, they're in the tie just about, and it could have gone slightly worse. But this is by no means a good result for them. And and if they don't make the Champions League group stages, they'll feel like. They feel like that an early season objective, a major early season objective, has already been, you know, not been not been met. So it's it's very very disappointing from their part. But there's still a, a glimmer of hope. So I wouldn't give up hope on them just yet. Yeah, especially after working so hard to get to those Champions League paces, it would be Absolutely. such a shame. Although it's a it's a tough call, isn't it, Tom? I know you've watched Napoli a fair few times, given your love for Italian football as well. Does Favre side stand any chance in the next leg to progress, or for you, is this is this a game set and match? It's going to be very tough. I mean, Napoli are one of the, for, for my money, one of the best sides in Europe when they fully get going. But as Adam said it's not entirely out of the question for Nice to score two at home. I think they do stand the chance, but the problem and the issue isn't from their part because we all know what they're capable of. We all know that they can score two goals or more at home. It's stopping Napoli. 
and stopping that front three of Mertens, uh, Insigne and Kelihon. But the thing, um, going back onto the first leg is, it could have been worse because if Milik puts away that chance, he just let it go under his legs. For me, it's game, set and match. But at 2-0, going into hopefully what we could imagine would be a, a hostile atmosphere at, at home for Nice, if they get an early goal or if they start quick and pressurise Napoli and contain their forwards, which I think is the biggest challenge, then I think they might be able to pull it off. But again, it's like their issue isn't themselves because we know what they're capable of and they obviously know what they're capable of is stopping Napoli from getting one goal or maybe more because one away goal kills the tie off. Yeah, and that's a real worry given Napoli's defence, well, Nice's apologies, defence at the moment, Adam. Uh, I do want to come on to their formation, really. They they went with a 3-5-2, which although the BT sports commentators will have you believe that they've never played that formation before. They were <laughs> pretty prominent in that last season, but was it strange for you to see Suke be the third centre-back and, and Malang Sar played on that left wing-back role where he struggled at left-back this season? Surely putting him at left wing-back was putting him out to dry a little bit. Yeah, it was, it was a bizarre decision. When you think about it, they, they seemed like they were playing each other's positions, which was a very unusual choice. I think Suke has played at centre-back before. He played there in the last game of last season and played a couple of times at centre-back in December as well, which obviously is sort of sort of slim pickings in terms of a, a role for such a big game, you know, such, to be sort of so proficient in. You know, you think Saar, although he started last season brilliantly in that position as part of a three on occasion, sometimes part of a two as well, that you would have felt like that, that, that although only 18, you still felt like that would be his his primary position there, that you, you, you put him in centre-back before you put him at full-back or at wing-back. And, and Suke obviously being a right-back and, and playing that 3-5-2, as, as you mentioned last season, a fair amount, Suke would slot right in at, at wing-back and, and, uh, or at right-back if they're going to go for a flat five. Either way, he would be more useful there. So it's a very odd decision to make, to sort of swap them around a little bit. I know that perhaps, um, if I was thinking about Saar's experience here, and that he is... Although a very promising player, he did tail off dramatically during last season and maybe trying to protect him a little bit um, by giving him a less a role with a less responsibility, which is understandable. But you feel like for a big game, um, it, although he may not be, in, if you look at the last six months, in the best form, you feel like that swapping those two players over would, would be a rather, a rather odd decision. So I, I, I'm struggling to see Lucien Favre's sort of rationale for doing that. But I think... In terms of in terms of that front three of Napoli, either way they would have been under a lot of pressure. So it's going to be as as Tom said, it's going to be very difficult to to see whether whether they stick with that three five two or go to four at the back. How they contain them, and I, it perhaps feeds into a little bit that Saar's been playing at left back at the start of this season anyway. So maybe Saar's kind of seen a a little role for him there that he might might be able to convert him into a left back or a left sided centre back in the future. So he's sort of kind of moulding him into that. So maybe this is part of his, he sees it as part of his development, which would be an interesting idea because he, he in, he's a good defender on his day and he has a skill set to play there. But I don't know that the left-back role is necessarily one that that, that he would adapt to. But given how Lucien Favre's reign at Nice has gone and he's made some sort of fantastic decisions and um, it's been fantastic uh, addition to the league, he's made some brilliant decisions and they've, Nice have ground out results mainly down to him that you feel like you have to trust in his ability a little bit and his his now as a manager but for me yeah it's 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 an odd decision but 
perhaps we'll see a slightly different setup in the second leg and hopefully that will that will benefit both players a little bit more yeah i'm sick of french french managers playing these exciting center backs like like Saar and, and I think of Ben Sabaini as well, playing them at left back, it's, it does my skull in. <laughs> Being that defensive-minded <laughs> person, I'm sick of play, seeing these uh, young, exciting centre-backs playing out of position at left back and being left to really struggle and then fall out of teams. But never mind. I'll, I'll very quickly move on, Tom, to the last point I really want to make in this game. And that's maybe the only real shining light on the night for Nice. And that's uh, Alan Saint-Maximan. Um, it was his well. It was his second, only his second appearance since joining from Monaco. He he looked well. He looked delighted at the, before the kickoff, hearing the Champions League theme tune. Never mind the game itself. Could he be someone they lean on in that second leg to try and get them that early goal? I think, judging by that performance, he's the man. I'm not too sure if Balotelli will be back. I'm I'm, I'm assuming he will, but regardless of that. Saint Maximan is the man to to lead Nice into this one. He was the only one that looked ready pre kick off as well, obviously, as you said. But he was direct. He wasn't afraid to take players on. He took shots, albeit they weren't necessarily any good. But he showed the initiative to take the ball, run with it, and try and create something. And he was the only player for Nice to actually try that. And that's in a hostile atmosphere in Naples as well. Not many players have the confidence to be able to do that. Just, and just take, take that and put it into a, into, into a home leg. He has to be, and he could, I think he could be the, the only player that really... Um, he's the, he has to be the spark for Nice. Because you look at the other players in the side, and player... Uh, sorry, Cosiello and... Who got sent off again? Sorry. It was yeah, it was player and Cosiello. There you go. See, I, th- I thought I knew it. Yeah, <laughs> you got it right first time. Yeah, <laughs> but you look at them two players, and you would have gone, okay, maybe there's something from player. Maybe he's the one. He'll get on the end of a loose ball or something like that. And obviously he's gone. But Saint Maximan has to be the spark. He has to take what he did in the first half. I think he did it first 15, 20 minutes of the of the first leg, and he really has to channel that and make something creative for the rest of the team because judging on that performance he is the only one who has the confidence the ability to challenge that ne- the, uh, Napoli defence sorry and to go and, and just create anything and make the tie competitive again hmm. let's move on to Marseille who played tonight obviously Adam and they snuck a 1-0 draw away from Slovenia and there's a Few outcries about Domzale being a, a better side in that first half and Marseille maybe creeping back into it. But you have to, even regardless of the expectations, they will probably go with a win here. A one or draw is a good result, really, to bring back to the velodrome. Yeah, I think that's I think that's a good point. Um, although going to going to Slovenia and uh, not playing against Maribor, which which seems to be the only Slovenian team that makes any headway in Europe, and not getting a win is is disappointing from Marseille's point of view, given the stature of that club and the, the quality that they've got at their disposal. But in Europe, a one all one all draw away from home in the first leg with uh, what is genuinely an average team to come back to the Velodrome, and with the home side of Marseille being massive favourites for that game is not a terrible result by any means in the general scheme of things. But although although by all accounts, you know, Dom Saleh had, you know, played well and you'd expect them to because 
if you think about it, this this game is arguably one of the biggest games they would have played for a very very long time against such a big club coming coming to their ground and you know that's that there's un, understandably they would have been very much up for this game and Marseille perhaps not not as much. So I think a one draw is by no means a terrible result and you would hope going into the second leg that Marseille, given how they played against Ustenda, who were a good side in Belgium last season, finishing the top six, they did very well and I know that the Belgian analysts of Football are very keen on some of the players in that side. So and they won that game four two and were very very good going forward, although a little bit lax at the back. You would expect a similar sort of result and Marseille to score a fair few goals against Anzali at the Velodrome next week. So I think Marseille fans although they'll be they'll be disappointed. They they shouldn't be worried about going out of the competition just yet. I think the next leg at home will be would be looks like still looks like anyway a, re- a relatively simple task for Marseille. Yeah, and you would still expect them to go through, certainly. Um, Tom, I just wanted to touch on the player that scored the goal that brought Marseille back into that game, and that's Morgan Sanson, who's maybe been lost in the shuffle, at least from the crowd on on Twitter, with the amount of big-name signings they've brought in and, and are still looking at bringing in. Could he arguably be the most important player they've brought in since Frank McCourt joined the club and injected that that more cash incentive that they've gone for now? I'm glad you said the most important important player because I was just about to yeah. you took the word right out of my mouth on that one I think it's easy to get lost when you've heard names like well Payet's joined the, oh, um, Adil Ramey, Patrice Evra, Luis Gustavo names that people instantly recognise not everybody like a casual fan of European football will immediately know who Morgan Sanson is but when you watch him play both for Montpellier and Marseille he adds a bit of calmness to it and he's very solid. He knows exactly what he needs to do and he knows what he has to do. And it's games like that tonight, and I suspect we'll see it more throughout the season, that he comes in clutch and a lot of players will grab the headlines. A lot of players will get the, the retweets and have people's ads change to their name. But Morgan Sanson, whilst he might, might not be the most glamorous of signings, I think he definitely he got a strong claim to be, like you said, the most important player in this new era. And I think he could be one of the most important players if Marseille are going to, one, advance to the group stages, two, do anything in the Europa League, and three, be a success in Liga this season. Yeah, and my hope was they were going to bring more players in like him of that youthful extent and maybe build from there in, in an interesting squad. But it's good to see Sanson get some shining light, at least alongside Lopez as well in that midfield. Let's... Hope that they can both continue and propel these towards the European, uh, well, Europa League group stages. Um, let's move on to Liga action now, Adam. And we're going to start with Lyon Bordeaux. And Bordeaux are a team that are already out of Europe that we've been mentioned, but they've put in better performances as of late, especially last weekend to earn that 2 0 win over Mets. Uh, with yet another strike from Yunus Sankari, he's got four goals in four games across all competitions. Would you believe it? He's only had four shots, supposedly, and that's they've all gone in. Um, how well has he begun the season? And further on from that, uh, how key will a win be here for Jocelyn Govex men for their European ambitions? It's a, it's a really interesting point, actually, Sankare. Um, first of all, the, the, the possible win for Bordeaux. I, I think they won this game last season uh, when Jerry Menez scored. So that, that tells you how sort of long ago and how much has changed since... Uh, since that happened, he actually that was probably his best game for Bordeaux. I think he might have even scored twice in a three-three-one win. So they, they, you know, they have previous at the Parco well. So I think this is this is a really exciting encounter on Saturday afternoon. And should they win this game, given how weak and Leon are, I know that they look very, very good 
coming in out of pre-season and at the start of the season, you know, an exciting young team once more, but without Lacazette and Tolisso, you can't argue, you can't avoid the fact anyway that they're, they're weaker than they were. So Leon and Bordeaux would be seeing themselves as relatively equal in terms of their, um, their sort of aspirations for the season and where they're going to finish in Ligue 1. So if Bordeaux were to win away at Lyon, it would be a huge, huge feather in the cap going forward and a massive three points when, when May comes around, when those two teams, I think, will be will be sort of very, very close in that sort of sixth to third area of Ligue 1. So it would be a massive win for their European aspirations. In terms of Sankari, I think he's really developed um, at Bordeaux over the last sort of six months since he signed from, from Lille, which is a bizarre little transfer given that he was at Gangor and then spent six months at Lille and then was already at Bordeaux by the time January came round and been moved on again. And he, he didn't have the greatest time at Lille. He, he was a bit, a bit anonymous and a little bit ineffective and a little bit weak, which is, sounds a bit odd by, by his standards, given how, what a powerful player he is. And those that don't see him that much, he kind of represents, he sort of, he, there's a lot of parallels with, with a slightly younger Gio Torre and the way that he sort of, sort of barrels forward and the way he's this season anyway has joined attacks and, as you said, got four goals in four games from four shots, which is really quite impressive. Um, I think what 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 has changed with his game, though, he's always had that power and that strength and that mobility and that box-to-box kind of attitude. He's been given a little bit more licence to join the attacks this season and that although those goals have come from a relatively few amount of shots, he is joining attacks more and supporting the strikers a little bit more. And Given that Bordeaux played, you know, sometimes 4-3-3 last season, they ended up playing 4-3-3 and they played a lot of 4-4-2 uh, earlier in the year. His role was perhaps a little bit more limited and the wingers at Bordeaux, when they played 4-3-3, as they still are, to be honest, but they were given a little more license as attackers. And Sankara is almost playing as attacking midfielder because we've seen Lucas Laragos coming from Belgium sitting and we've seen Valentin Vada when he's played as a more central midfielder. And Sankara's been the one to make those runs. And he's actually very effective at making those runs late into the box and getting on the end of things. The goal against Angers on the opening day is a really good example of the way he sort of timed his run really well at the near post and, and tucked, tucked his chance away very nicely. And that was sort of very similar to the way he took his goal in Mets, against Mets too. So he's been given a slightly better, some more attacking role, more forward-thinking role, a little bit more licence, given those two players have been able to support him. And, and it suits his skill set. He's, he's very adept at making those runs. And given his power and his pace, he's able to cover as well. So I think... It's a, it's a nice little sort of nuanced view from Gorvanek to change his role slightly and, and give him that more that little bit more license. And I think looking at Bordeaux as it stands, you look at their squad and you think Malcolm's playing very well. I think he's, he's had a good start to the season and if he's there this time next year, I'll be surprised. But beyond him, given that Toulon's a little bit more a little bit more aged now, shall we say, and playing at centre-back, he's probably their most important player after Malcolm if he keeps playing in this form. So... I think it's a nice little move from Gorvanek and he's a player that I really enjoy watching and I'd encourage those that perhaps don't see too much of Bordeaux to keep an eye on him because he, uh, he may make another move <laughs> relatively soon after this. He's a, he's a very good player and one that Gorvanek's using very well at the moment. Yeah, it's good to see him shine again. Uh, Tom, Leon have a player that's been impressing in the last couple of weeks as well and they're two for two in Ligue 1 games and it's Mario, Mariano Diaz who scored well, three goals in those two games. What have you made to his start and that Leon attacking quartet and what dangers they could possess for a Bordeaux on Saturday? I've been very impressed with them. I must admit, I, I plead ignorance to this. I didn't know much about Mariano Diaz when he turned up. I knew he came from Real Madrid and I obviously, with the trend that's going on now, if you're a youngster from Real Madrid, you know, if they let you go, you kind of, oh, I, I, what, what, why aren't they keeping you, however, and whatnot. But looking at how he started with Leon and how he slotted into the, the quartet, 
he, I think he's a real talent. He's a really good player. As for the quartet, it's exciting. It's good to see Fekir back on top of his game after following, you know, following his knee injury and and what and what happened after that. Depay also after his time at Man United, many people wrote him off because obviously if you don't make it in the Premier League, you're awful and you never ever ever will be a good player at any club you're at. But it's good to see him do well, and it's good to see him suit a quartet along with Diaz and Fekir and Traore that seem to, oh, excuse me, to really gel together and they really work together. For what they'll pose to Bordeaux, it will just be it'll be pace. It'll be pure pace on the wings, and they've just got to deal with and contain contain the, the wide players and almost put someone on Fakir to stop him from creating anything. It'll be tough for them to, to stop it, but I think it's definitely doable. However, it's an exciting quartet to, to watch, especially when it's players that you, you may have enjoyed a few years ago, like Depay and Fakir, that have almost fallen off the wagon. Not, not saying they're awful, or they have been bad, but almost not getting the attention they deserve and to see them perform in in such a team like this is it's refreshing it's exciting i'm really looking forward to the match and i think it's two teams that are, are coming up against each other two very talented teams and especially with a, with a front four like leon have i could i could see i could see them really handing out some some goals in this one so let's get your predictions on this and i'll start with you tom uh, what are you taking for the game on saturday I'm going to stick my neck out there and go for a 3-1, Leon. Uh, Adam? I'm going to go one each. I'm going to go 2-1, Leon. I like Mariano Diaz. I think he might grab a brace here, and that will really set the fires alight a little bit. Um, we'll move on to Saint-Étienne-Amiens, which happens also on, on Saturday, Tom. And Saint-Étienne have two 1-0 wins under their belt, which might sound a little bit like that Galtier reign previously, but they obviously have a new boss in Oscar Garcia. Is it more of the same from the previous resume, or has the Spaniard brought something new to Leve so far this season? Well, it's a tough one because... I must admit, at times under under Gaultier, I I was bored. They they weren't they weren't necessarily exciting, and they obviously weren't a bad team. They were they were quite a solid, rigid side, but they weren't entertaining. And I'm hoping more than expecting that Oscar Garcia can change that into more of a, a fascinating team that we people have to go and watch. Yeah, oh, you have you have to watch Sanetti and they play really good football. But judging by the two wins out of two, and I've just got the stats up for the for the previous games, they've not really been that productive according to the stats on on here with their shots to gold and whatnot. But they've managed to get wins. Narrow wins, but wins nonetheless. And I think there seems to be a I know it's only two games and it's quite early to say this, but they seem to have a different character about them and they seem to be able to win. N- not in an exciting fashion. Maybe a bit ugly, but a win nonetheless. And I think that's important. And I think they might be a bit of a bit of a surprise team to watch out for, especially with a front three that I quite enjoy. So I think, yeah, it's a, He's offering something different. 
and I'm ho- like as I said, I'm hoping more than expecting that things change. But a win, they're winning, and I suppose that's all they really care about. However, they do it. And it's I've quite enjoyed watching Jonathan Bamber. Everyone expected uh, Luis Dione being the big signing to be the one really starting up front a lot, but Bamber's added a, a nice little quality to that. Um, to that mm-hmm. triple three up front that they've maybe missed from other strikers being a little bit more static. He's expanding the play a bit more. He's given a bit more space to Hamuma as well, who's started nicely as well. But Adam, it's it's been a tough start. <laughs> maybe saying it a bit lightly, really, for Amiens. <laughs> but they've had a reinforcement this week, which really caught my eye, at least, in, in Musa Kanate, who had a few strong seasons at Sion and, and a few interested, more, more bigger teams interested in him a couple of years ago at least uh, could he be the right kind of catalyst they need or will they really need a lot more this season to be battling the gate relegation yeah it's it's an interesting one I think it's a little bit of both um Musa Kanate first of all is a player I'm a, I'm a big fan of um I remember him perhaps the, my you know, he first caught my attention when he uh, playing for Senegal at the Olympics in 2012 against Great Britain and he had a, a great tournament there and really stood out uh, for that Senegal side uh, at the Olympics and I know that you're absolutely right. He has had some fantastic performances for Sion and, and been really good in, in the last sort of two or three years. I think, um, though, the, the issue with him is a little bit of attitude. I feel like, uh, well, I, I, at least I understand that, um, perhaps he was expecting a move at a certain point in his career. And for whatever reason, it didn't coalesce for him. And over the last sort of couple of years, he's been a little bit erratic due to the fact that he's sort of been a little bit sulky about the fact that perhaps he didn't get the move at the right time for him. So I think he's a very, very good player on his day. And I think that um, he would have been expecting to move to a much bigger club than Amiens, which makes this uh, quite a coup for Amiens, really. Um, and I think that um, he could be a, a, a real a real like find for them, if you like, this season going forward, because he may even see this as a little bit of a stepping stone going into league. And I think he wants to play in a bigger league. Um, than, than Switzerland and he did get eight goals for Sion last year in Switzerland which by no means is is, is overly impressive but I think that's a, a sort of a slight sort of um, sort of uh, sort of side effect of that that's questionable attitude a little bit and perhaps wanting that move so I think he seems up for this move I, I, looking at his his sort of Twitter profile he, he seemed very keen to be moving to Amiens and playing in Ligue 1 so I think if it goes well and if they get if they can get the best out of this player then he's someone that they could really start to rely on and really look to for for goals i mean he could play out front or play either side i quite like the idea of them them signing perhaps another another forward and kakuta and kanate either side of that forward would be quite quite you know quite good for league and going forward uh, in the attacking third but it's, it's relatively like he'll be playing up front and he could be a real real fine for them in terms of amion in in general I feel like the match against Angers was was a huge, huge reality check for them. PSG on opening day, they're in National two seasons ago, going to the going to the Parc de France in their first league and game was a bit of a dream, really. And they played pretty well, they defended well and limited PSG to two goals and didn't look too bad on the counter, although they had very, very limited opportunities and they would have been happy with that result, despite the fact that they lost the game. But to then come to the to the second game at home against Angers, who were a mid-table side, albeit I think a good one. Um, they would have been hoping to get something out of that game. That's the type of game they'll be targeting. Home against military sides, they're looking to get points from this game if they want to stay in this league. And Amion really, really looked out of their depths. I actually caught up with this game this morning and watched it this morning, and they they looked like they looked like a league just side in that game. They looked like a cup game against a, a, a decent league and side who 
sort of breeze to a 2-0 win. They had some opportunities in the first half, but uh, Angers overall had too much class for them. And when you're saying that the mid-table sides, the table like Angers, who who are built out of, to some extent, out of league to players, had too much class for me on, you're, you're going to worry. And they're going to need they're going to need more than just this signing to, to 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 be confident of staying up. I still think they have a chance, and I think Kakuta and, and Kanate. Kakuta played very well, I think, against Angers, but he looked like their best player by a long way. And they're going to need reinforcements. And I think Kanate would be a good foil for him, and they'll play well together. But they still need reinforcements for this team. So, yes, it's a very good signing, but is it enough to keep them up? Is it enough to give them confidence about? Staying up or making it making a, like a good fist of it, if you like. I don't know. I think they're going to need at least one, probably two more players going forward. But it's a very, very good signing nonetheless. If, especially if they can get the best out of him, who knows? They, they could be the type of player in conjunction with Kakuta to drag them towards the 17th or higher, which would be a great result for them. But there's a long way to go for Amion, and, and they looked out of their depth last week. So I'm, I'm more worried for them now than I was when we've discussed them before. So it's an interesting one, but let's, let's see how it goes. So, what's your prediction, Adam? I'm going to say Sinetian 1-0 again. I'm going to be a bit sneaky. And I, I am worried about Amiens. I think they, they were pretty poor against Andre too. And Santetien are on the cusp of something, I feel, especially if I feel they might give Dionia the start in this one, maybe with even with Bamba. Um, I think they might win 4-0, which is, you know, that would blow your mind if you were a late fan last season. Um, Tom, <laughs> what do you think? Well, they've had two 1-0s so far this season, so I think they're going to do one better and go 2-0. I think, yeah, I think it uh, might be the same, well, a, leave, well, a less safer bet, let's say, than mine, maybe. Um, let's move on to our final game, and that's uh, Leo Con on Sunday, Adam. Um, Con are another side that have struggled out of the gate, at least, but they were maybe a, a tad unfortunate, you might say, against Saint-Etienne. They, they hit the post through uh, Ivan Santini late on as well, and only 1-0 defeat, really. Is this a real chance for them to get some points on the board against the side that, at least last time out, was was a bit mental, if anything? <laughs> it really was. It was an interesting game, wasn't it? Just as an aside for that game, Nicola Depravel is a goalkeeping choice. It completely baffles me, but but that's a whole other issue. Yeah, um, you, you couldn't have believed my delight when I saw he was going in goal. The, the, hardest, <laughs> the hardest working man in Liga football, Nicola Depravel, clearly. He'll do any kind of job you want him to. Yeah, <laughs> even if it doesn't isn't fit his skill set at all. It was, it was wonderful. It was wonderful. But... I think last week for Lille, although it was a great result for Strasbourg, it was they were nil, it was nil nil at the time. Mike Manuel got sent off, um, having used all three of their subs and having to put the preview and then Ibrahim Amadou doing goal, which seems like the more logical choice. I don't know where to go with that to start with, but I think that was a little bit of a blip for for Lille overall, and a little bit, it's a little bit skewed the scoreline obviously by that by sending off in that goalkeeping situation. And Lille were very very good against Nantes at home on the opening day, and they looked like the type of side that. Marcelo Bielsa would, would want and that he would try and mould. Um, I think in, from Korn's point of view, they did well to keep on to, to keep keep hold of some of their better players. I, I'm a big fan of Ronnie Rodelart. I think he's a very useful player. Ivan Santini is very, very good in the air, especially in a good striker and scored a fair few goals last season. So they did well to keep on keep hold of those two players. Um, but I think it's going to be tough for them at, at Lille this week. And I would expect Lille will be targeting this game as one they expect to get three points from. In terms of Amion, uh, sorry, in terms of Caen in general, I, I think that given that they barely survived last season, I mean, they were very lucky to get a result at PSG on the final day and they might have slipped into that relegation playoff if they hadn't. And although they've kept on to those two good players, as I mentioned, and, you know, got Frederick Gilbert on loan again, who is a player that I'm, 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 I'm quite a big fan of. I think he's, I think he's useful in that fullback and even centre-back role occasionally. They've got some. They've got some decent league players, but 
I think there's going to be a scramble at the bottom this season in Ligue 1, and I don't think they're going to be as they're going to they're going to be rising above that. So this is a tough game for Caen, and and one that if they get something from at all, given they're not the best away from home, that they'll be very very happy with. Um, I, I honestly don't know that they'll be targeting anything higher than sort of that place above the relegation playoff. And I, I think they'd be happy with that given the, the makeup of their team. So for for, for Quan, I think this is a, a tough trip and one that I expect Lille to bounce back from that 3-0 defeat at Strasbourg. And we'll see a Lille a little bit more like the Lille that played against Nantes on the opening day. They've made some really, really interesting signings and players that I'm really excited to see play again, like Luis Arau, who I thought was really good against Nantes. Uh, unlucky not to get a goal. Uh, we might see Thiago Maia make his full debut. Um, uh, Thiago Mendes as well has looked very, very good in front of the defence. So I think they're a very, very good side. Kevin Malky is another really good signing for them. So I think Lille are a very, very good team and Colm would do well to get anything from this game. Yeah, and this strange penalty decision near the end as well didn't really help the, the yeah, 10 men really as well. Just, just, just a tad. Yeah. <laughs> um, we'll, we'll discuss to you, with you, Tom, the, the slightly crazy side. that we, It was possibly the craziest game we've maybe ever seen for Lille last weekend. But that's a, that erratic nature with uh, Magnon getting sent off for something silly, the fact that they were so confused about what to do with the goalkeeper and, and they obviously made a third tactical substitution after two needed substitutions for injury before half-time. Should that erratic nature of the team at the moment be a worry for the, well, the fans and Marcello Bielsa going forward? I think, I mean, an erratic nature with the team led by Marcelo Bielsa is, is quite standard, really. But um, no, it, I, I, I wouldn't say it's something to be worried about because it takes time. And obviously we know what he, what Bielsa's like. He's a very intense coach. He's a very intense individual. And he wants his teams to be 110% every time. It's two games in. They're obviously very impressive against Nantes, but every now and again you will get games where something happens and they, they, they were just unfortunate in, in my view in that first half. It was just two things that could have happened to anybody. And unfortunately it happened to them and it just threw everything up in the air and the Preville went in goal and it just went to, to pieces and no one really knew what to do. But... This upcoming week, I suspect they'll change their nature completely and they'll be very to the point they'll, without being too dismissive of calm, I think they're going to beat them. You know, I'm just going to stick my neck out there, another bold one. I think they might win. But I don't think the erratic nature is, one, anything to be surprised by and two, anything to be worried by. Because sometimes things happen that, it does worry fans. Fans worry about the, the smallest of things. And when you've got a man like Bielsa in charge, it, he could go from resigning after the first game like he did before or sitting on a coffee cup like he's done before. Anything can happen. Or you can have your striker go in goal. You just don't know what's going to happen every other week. <clears throat> but I don't really think it's anything to be majorly worried about just yet. If it keeps happening, you know, before the Christmas break, then I think... I might change my tone on it. However, for the time being, I think if he's got anything under control, I think it might be this. Mm, we did always promise everyone at the start of the season that with their local in charge, anything is possible. But 
I don't think we may be hinting towards that. Um, I, I think I'll go for a one-all draw in this one, actually. I, I'm, I think Khan have maybe been a little bit unlucky in the last couple of games. They've got some interesting players. They still relatively kept the side together from last season and a couple of nice little additions. And Leo, maybe a couple of hangovers new with a different goalkeeper, the, the effects of maybe a couple of injuries as well, maybe a draw. Um, what do you think, Tom? Uh, I said previously that they're gonna, that they should win and I'm going to go for a 2-0. Adam? I'm going to go 4-2, Leo. I'm going to buy into the Bielsa <laughs> erraticness that this might be a high-scoring one. Embrace it. I always think yeah. <laughs> going for a going for a nice high score once and off once or so often there cleanses the soul a little bit at least. Anyway, uh, that's all. <laughs> that's all for this evening. Uh, my thanks to Adam, Tom, and everyone tuning in at home. Uh, join us on Monday for the main show. But for now, have a lovely evening and enjoy the weekend's football.